in three, two, one. Are you a leader that is focused on building a stronger culture with long-term retention in mind? Looking for new strategies to increase your team's productivity and results? If you're looking for ways to develop environments that help your people bring their best selves to the work they do, then you're going to enjoy my conversation with leadership expert, speaker, coach, and advisor, Shauna Shu. Hey, Shauna, welcome to the program. We're delighted to have you. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you. Now, where are we talking to you from? Are you out on your ranchette in Central Oregon there? Well, it's yes. I call it a ranchette. And somebody said to me, it's a ranch. I'm like, it's only 20 acres. But I guess that's a lot of acres depending on where you're at. And I'm actually in the Pacific Northwest. So I'm in the rainy area. It's lush and green. It's right outside of Portland. I'm about an hour west. I'm in wine country right outside of Portland. Absolutely gorgeous. If you haven't been to Oregon, it's a great place place to go. And now I was intrigued by your background because you were a performer at an early age. You traveled with performance groups. I mean, you even sang telegrams. So how did you transition (laughs) from that? Give us a little background to a leadership coach working with some of the best companies and leaders today. I was raised in the country, right? On a gentleman's farm. And I always called it a gentleman's farm because it was just six acres and in this case, my dad, the gentleman, could go to the bathroom off the back porch. So <laughs> There's nothing I was like raised <laughs> very colloquial. And so my mom sent me to finishing school. Right. And I went three times. And so different story altogether. But I had wanderlust. I was going to be an adventurer and I was going to travel. And I thought to myself, oh, my heavens, Oregon is so backward. And so I went on the road when I was 18 and I traveled everywhere, all over the United States. I spent five years traveling until my father got sick. Right. So that's what brought me home to care for my mother and my father and their property. And that's when I ended up singing telegrams and doing a lot of things to make it. And then it sort of evolved because I had been an entertainer, a local modeling school, finishing fashion and commercial school. And I'm like, I've been through finishing school. So I went and applied and then the rest is history. I was teaching and I found that I was gifted to share stories. Well, you know, you're a speaker, I'm a speaker. And guess what? I told all these stories to teenagers. I honed my skills by teaching finishing fashion and commercial work. Ended up writing all the programs, really loved it and felt like I was making a gigantic difference when I could impact that. And then it sort of evolved in that I was starting to get irritated. People would say, oh, my team needs that. And then you'd talk to the team and the team would say, well, we're just following our leader. And I'm like, oh, I should be talking to the leaders. (laughs) I should be talking to people who are actually impacting their entire culture. And so it was a natural progression into understanding that. And at the same time, I went on and was the head of certain associations in Portland. And I started getting my business certificates and obviously my neuro-linguistic programming certificates. And then I went and got my master's certificates and it just progressed. Sure. And now I can't even imagine not doing what I do. I love it so much. Well, it's interesting, the evolution of where we start from and you think, okay, I've got a career in entertainment and yeah. then you end up doing this. It kind of finds you. You don't find it. It just kind of shows up and you obviously found your purpose and your passion because you are passionate about it. So, So as you work with leaders and teams, though, is there an issue or a challenge or let's call it bad behavior or even good behavior (laughs) that you see repeatedly within organizations that's kind of common amongst leaders? 
I don't know if I would call it bad behavior. I think it's ingrained. There are people are in, and this is the programming that we get into, right? That we're the leader and it's up to us. We have to tell, 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 tell. Right. And most leaders don't understand that that's not the way to get their team to cooperate or be loyal or to hang out with them. Right. So I guess if there was one thread and really and truly, and you know this, Michael, when somebody wants to coach with someone, when a leader says, I would like additional skills, they're already halfway there. Right. They're themselves are coachable. They are seeking to be better. And when they get better, everyone on the team gets better. So when I hear a leader say, oh, my team needs help. I'm like, I know what's wrong with the team, (laughs) (laughs) but that that doesn't mean they're going to invest in coaching, right? It it takes a rare person, 3%, I think, of people in the world are continuously educating themselves. Yeah, it's interesting. As you said, many leaders, and you say it in your programs, are telling and selling in their teams, and the teams are tired of being told and sold. I thought those were great the way you expressed it. And they're thrown into leadership. A lot of times they're good at what they do. We need a new manager. We need a leader. And they've really had no formal leadership training. And so we can all benefit from that, right? Absolutely. And the other thing that they do a lot, especially in today's market, where there's so much fear-based, right? It's the cancel culture, right? is that they allow and leaders that allow bad attitudes or people being late or not being professional. And because there's somewhat of a fear, right? I can't call Mm -hmm. anybody out or I can't embarrass anybody. You don't have to, you should never have the intent to hurt anyone's feelings. But if you allow bad behavior on your team, it's devastating. I can see where it can be. And then if it's the blind following the blind, you're following somebody who doesn't know what to do. And right. a lot of times leaders don't have the tools. And that's some of the things you do in your programs, I think, is provide them with the tools or insights and to make them self-aware and then how they can best empower their teams. Yes. And that's really about the leadership part of it, isn't it? There was a great quote in one of your programs. When you ask the question, it's not, hey, what can I do for you to get you to where you've got to achieve your goal? I think you express it like, what do you need from me in order to achieve your goals? And more importantly, one extra step. So bravo, Michael, instead of this, it's sort of like, do you know what your next step is? Because most of the people who are with your team do know their next steps. And if you're a leader that has allowed somebody to have to go to you for permission, right? you're not creating other leaders. You're creating a hierarchy that's going to continuously need you, which feels great for your ego. Right. But it certainly isn't sustainable and you're never going to get what you really want. Well, and it's interesting in your program, Limitless Leadership, you teach that we should start thinking about leadership traits and ways in which we can engage teams for higher performance. What are some of those traits that we should be focused on? Well, that's really interesting. I think the most important skill trait, the trait would be curiosity. Right. I'm interested in what you're thinking, or I'm interested in how we could do it differently versus dictatorship. And I think that the skill is really becoming a master questioner. And a lot of leaders believe that they do question really well, that they're like, I'm always asking questions, you know? And the questions are like, what were you thinking? (laughs) Not a, not a good question. (laughs) Right. Or who told you you could do that? Those are questions, but not good Yeah, ones. not the right questions. Well, it's like, as I was reading some of your material that you've produced over the years, I thought, man, that's exactly it. It's really listening and actively listening to our people. And they have the solutions if we'll just learn to ask the right questions, right? Agreed. And ultimately, the quality of the answers are really in direct proportion to how masterful your questions are. Right. And that's where the coaching piece comes in. 
even my current coaching clients will say, oh, you'd be proud of me. I asked this question and it could be tweaked just enough because they were leading with their question. Do you know where to get information? That's a leading question that it's somewhere you haven't found it. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? And this is where like my dad was a builder. And I share that he knew how to hammer nails. He had done it all of his life and he was masterful at it. Now, the concept of hammering nails is pretty easy. You place the nail and drive it with a hammer and he could do it masterfully. Just tap, go tap. You don't want to see me nail anything. I mean, I whack the (laughs) wall, whack my thumb, I bend the nail. I mean, you don't realize how hard it is actually for this simple concept to take a hammer and drive a nail is the same with leaders that like, oh, I asked all kinds of good questions. And I think that, Michael, is the biggest thing that I want your listeners to think about is, are you in your own way? Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. leaders will say to me, oh, my people tell me they're so honest with me. And I'm like, well, that's when I know you're delusional. Because if (laughs) their job is directly, whether or not you like them or not, they're not telling you everything exactly the way you think. Nobody will go against their own goodness, their own value. They, They won't fire themselves. And so you may think that they tell you everything. So then what do we become as leaders? We become curiosity. That's the trait. We become better and better, more masterful questioners. And then you go back and say, what is it that I really want from the exchange? And I think sometimes people want to be right. Their questions are just to say, I did tell you this, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. It's just like, tell me again, what's our mission here. You're asking questions to make yourself right. So then it gets into this bigger place where you're like, what's your intent? What is it that you really want from this exchange? And how can I serve and help? And and I think you're right. I think questions are the answer. And it's learning how to formulate those questions and become artful and crafting them so that we get a result or information that we're looking for, not just paying lip service to us. This episode is sponsored in part by Rainmaker Digital Solutions, featuring Active Campaign. Looking to drive growth with customer experience automation? Active Campaign, the number one marketing automation platform for e commerce, B2C, and B2B companies, gives you the email marketing, marketing automation, and CRM tools you need to create incredible customer experiences. Active Campaign is the platform we use to reach, nurture, convert, and grow our business, and you can use it to grow yours. You can see why 150,000 plus businesses like yours choose Active Campaign to help them grow and become preferred in the markets they serve. You can also start your free trial by visiting our website and clicking on the Active Campaign trial link. As a bonus, we'll also give you a digital copy of my book, Becoming Preferred How to Outsell the Competition. And in the interest of full disclosure, I am a shareholder in the company. And now back to my conversation with Shauna Shu. There's all levels with skill and beliefs. And yet, if you really are attempting to attain a goal, then a lot of that is broken apart when we all draw together and say, do we have the same goal? I think many times leaders and us as teams move forward. And that's why people on the team think, well, this is just to make more money. Or we have to not make a fool of ourselves or to retain our reputation. That might not be it at all. So I don't think people really talk about the end goal of whatever the project is or the end goal? Is it really to get the sale at all costs? Well, then I have to be aggressive or I have to go after it or, or is it really to serve that customer's needs? And so I think that once you sort of break apart, what is it that we really want to accomplish here? That it doesn't matter if you're 80 or if you're 18, 
if everybody understands the goal, we start to adjust. Well, and like I say, there's lots that we have to deal with. We have a multi-generational workforce. I think there's five different generations now. And yep. how they each define leadership is very interesting. And I'm sure you see it as well, what they think is strong leadership. And then we look at our political leaders and we think, was that strong leadership? And we see things, the political environment, we see what's going on in Europe right now. Yep. And you start to look at that communication and how it's communicated. And it's scary for some people. I mean, the pandemic created a lot of heartache and a lot of grief. A lot of people are in the dumps. They're feeling overwhelmed with everything that we have to do and with little time to do it. So one of the things that you teach in your programs is that we should pick up your get up and go. What does that look like? Well, one of the most important things, and you and I talked about this, it's like the leadership of yourself first. Right. My dad used to say, my get up and go got up and went. (laughs) (laughs) And so it kind of came from my dad that we pick up our own get up and go. A leader's job is not to motivate someone. Right. And I think when you were talking and brilliantly about how everybody's got a different definition of leadership, that when a teammate comes and says, well, you need to provide me with this, 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 this. Mm -hmm. And then the leader is no longer a leader. What they really are is the mother or the cheerleader. And in reality, if you're hiring well, and you have people who really know how to do their job, then my definition of a leader is someone who helps people uncover or discover it themselves. I don't have to provide you, besides having a safe environment and all the things that we would do inside our business, our culture, I'm hiring talent. And so it's not my way or the highway. Just talk about, do we know what the result is going to be and what our goal is? Okay. we've We've come up to this What ideas do you have and how are you using your skills to get that accomplished? You provide me this. No, I don't. I don't have to provide you anything because I hire talent. And that's the difference, I think. And we talk about servant leadership. In my mind, the way that you serve people the best is letting them be talented. That's good. And not doing it for them. Yeah, it's hire the who, not the how. Right. Yeah, hire the right person to do that job. We always say hire attitude, train for skill. So yes. you've got the right yes, people yes, yes. and just train them for skill. One of the things I learned this from a mentor years ago, and we use it all the time. Somebody comes up to me and I'll ask him a question. I'll say, what have you considered? Or I have this problem and what would you do in this situation? And I have the answer on the tip of my tongue. And sometimes when you're busy and you're in the minutia of life and day-to-day things, it's easy and tempting just to give them the answer and get out of yep. my face and let me go do what I'm going to do. Instead, what I'll simply react to, and this was based on the advice I was given was, well, what have you considered? What options? Anything else? Anything else? anything else. And if I ever got the, I don't know, I simply respond with, well, I understand that you don't know, but if you did know, what would be your answer? And they always come back with the right answer. Like it's always brilliant. Whatever they come back with is usually excellent. And I'm going, what's wrong with that one? And it's just that confidence. Like you said, the need to be right. And we want to be right. We want to be accurate. And leaders understand they don't have to have all the answers. They just need to be able to ask the right questions in order to bring that out. So I think that's really, really good advice. So get it up and get going, get people moving. We know how that works. We also know that to be successful, we have to develop competencies with our soft skills. So you call them profitable people skills. What are some of the essentials? Well, let me use one that we talked about right now. They call them soft skills, but in my mind, they're incredibly strategic. So you're Number one, figuring out your intent. Right. So your intent as a leader, when you're asking if you knew how to do this and they go, well, I don't know, here's a soft skill I can give right now. Instead of, well, if you did know, you might say, well, I get that you don't know yet. Well, suddenly that word, that soft skill at the end, when you hear somebody say something like, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do that yet. Or I haven't done that Mm. so far. Suddenly the whole brain, everything, the energy shifts to, 
oh, I can learn it instead of, I don't know how to do it. I'm not that person. All of that is closed thinking. And the minute you use what you can call it a soft skill, but it's a very strategic word at the end of the sentence, you mean you don't know how to do it yet. That's more true. And the power of words, and you talk about that in your NLP work, you talk about the neuro part of it, which I'm actually get to explain some of that for our audience, the linguistic part, and then the programming part. And yes. let's talk about that and the power of words, because I believe that words are power. If I say I love you, it means something. If I say I hate you, it means something else. And wars have been started based on words. Right? Agreed. And peace. So words are critical in what we say and what we say to ourselves and others. Talk more about that. Well, and, and thank you. I think the words are powerful, but some of my clients will say, I know you don't like that word. It's not really the word. It's the intent behind the word. Right. And so now we're talking deep stuff. Let's use your instance for I love you. Right. If your intent is I, me, it's all about me. I right. love you. Do you not understand this? I love you. I, right. I, I. If it's all about letting them know what it is, not like, but I love you. Right. The emphasis is all on love. Yeah. And now suddenly the whole conversation changed. And then three words, you take it and make it about them. I love you, not mm. him, not her, mm -hmm. but you. Mm -hmm. Now, those are the same three words, but it's the intent behind them. And so in NLP, there's three elements. Number one, the neurology. And we're doing more science on the human brain than ever before. That's amazing. Yeah. And so the way the brain neural pathways work, right. there's a wonderful book called Secrets of the Grown-Up Brain. A doctor wrote it. It's a woman. I can't remember her name right this minute, but you can find it on Audible. I listened to it. It was brilliant because people think as they get older, they lose their memory. No, you just have to go through more files <laughs> to retrieve what <laughs> you have. There's just more garbage to get through. Yeah. yeah. So really isn't about that. But the more you right. say to yourself, oh, my memory's going, my memory's going, you make that happen. Mm -hmm. But in reality, you go, hang on, it'll come to me. And guess what? It comes to It'll you. It'll come to you. Yeah. So the neurology is really interesting. And I'm here to like break some myths about the way we're thinking. The second piece is the language. But if you really go into what the work I do, it's not the word. It's the intent behind the right. word. Nope. However, words depict in my coaching, I consider myself a master word watcher. So if you say, I'm struggling with, I'm struggling with this, then I am going to uncover that you have a limiting belief. So the words allow me to help my clients understand where the limiting beliefs are. And as leaders learn this, they understand by what people say to them where their teams are having their issues. So that's why linguistics is important. And then lastly, our programs, and we're all in programs. The world is about programs. We were all told to get in line before we come in from recess at the school. My mother gave me this program, eat everything on your plate. Oh, you know? yeah. I had that one. I still have that one. Yeah, I still wrestle with <laughs> that's, it. <laughs> that's how powerful that right. program right. is. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that a coach does is they help challenge your perceptions. You know, people will go, no, it's true. Well, it's only true for you right now. That's right. And that freaks people out. You know, no, it's true. Well, it's true for you right, right now. Right. And somebody will say something and they'll make it a fact. And I'll say, if you say so, and it always startles them. They'll go, oh, it's going to be terrible. And I'll go, if you say so. Yeah. What? 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 what do you mean if I say so? Well, you just set it up. It's going to be terrible for you. Did you realize that? And they don't. So what I love so much about what I do is that it's human nature, but it's also this juicy bits where somebody that thinks can go, 
wow, I did say that. Do I want that outcome? No, I don't want that outcome. Startling how it can alter the result that you get with your team, with your spouse, with your animals. Oh, and I'm going to get there. But what you're talking about with intent, I had one daughter was kind of angry with me for an issue and I was surprised at the issue. And I thought, she's mad at that. I'm like, why would she be mad at that? And she said, dad, intent, and then there's impact. And she goes, no one believes that you intend to hurt feelings or intend to do that. Right. But in actual fact, the impact could be hurt feelings. So I think that's what you're saying. But the words, we have wonderful words. And I read somewhere that most of us know only about 3,000 of them. And that's about an eighth grade level. And it's a matter to communicate. Obviously, we want to use words to communicate. But even the inflection that you put into the words and yes. where you put that inflection, like you used the example, I love you. And that makes all the difference in the world and taking it away from being you and making it about them. So I totally get that. Now, Animals, let's move there. Then I want to come back to the programming piece of it. Animals were very much a catalyst in you selecting this topic and use it as a metaphor. People love their pets. They love their animals. And your animals have certainly taught you a thing or two. Why don't you introduce us to some of your family members and what kind of lessons they gave you? I got this little three-legged boy right here. (laughs) You got an adoptee. Um, Yeah, Yeah, little Mason. And then I have two foster dogs. One of them snoring right now. And then I have a big German shepherd behind me, but I'm a horsewoman as well. I was raised in the country. And so there were constant animals coming in and out and also wildlife. And my dad was also a fisherman and a hunter. And so I was raised with other species. And one of the things that I think is important, like we've turned our animals into our children. (laughs) Many people have, Right. right? But Because animals are so pure in that they just are like, they don't go, God, I got a bad family. (laughs) No, they they live with what is. They're going to love you and they're going to take it no matter what happens. Totally accepting. Totally accepting. And not only that, but one of the reasons I love fostering, number one, it's my give back to the world, but the lessons, the leadership lessons, like right now I've got older puppies that were having trouble and we couldn't get them here. And nobody's touched these dogs. They're 13 weeks and they're adorable, but they're frightened of me. Now, when I put my dogs out, they're like, oh, and they're loving on my German shepherd and loving on my little three-legged, but they don't know about me. I'm a human. Right. And it hurts my heart so bad because usually puppies are so filled with love and they can't wait to wiggle next to you and love you. And these guys have not been touched a lot. So as a leader, I have to stop. I could force myself. And if they're going to run into the road, of course I would force. Right. But I have to stop and either figure out how to make them feel comfortable, trust, building trust. And I think sometimes with leaders, they just expect to be respected and trust. Just by virtue of the position. That's exactly right. And so I'm the leader. This is my title. And I think that that's one of the biggest mistakes we make. And other people will say, how do I find leaders? And if you're a smart leader, you're constantly throwing your net out and allowing people to step into it without you saying anything. It's interesting you say that as a horse person, obviously you're an animal whisperer. And I know the story with your dog, Ellie, and your horses. And I'm assuming Ellie's no longer with us. She's no longer. But what a beautiful story. And people can go and look at your TED Talk and learn all about your animals. And and we'll have all that in the show notes as well. And also one thing that just comes up in my heart to share with your listeners is I use this analogy a lot where there are people in your organization or that you're leading and they're hurtful or they bite or they're rude or sharp with you. This happens many, many times and people will go, well, how do, you know, then they get mad. And even in your relationships. Right. And in reality, an animal teaches us that it's only hurting animals that hurt. So if an animal is wounded 
or fearful or in pain, you're going to get bit, kicked, struck. So if you use that for humans, the ones that are the most hurtful humans are probably the ones hurting the most. Right. If you've backed your people into a wall or they feel fearful, they will strike out verbally or however, or they'll do something bad to the company. Yeah. Stop and say, this isn't about them being nasty. It's somehow they're in pain yeah. or they're hurting. And so uncover that. That takes a little reflection because sometimes our instincts and that amygdala kicks in, that fight or flight, oh, yeah. and we immediately want to lash out. I look at some of our political leaders. We watch some of the discourse that's gone on over the last decade or so, and just the anger and the vitriol that goes on. And they say this, that causes this, and it's splitting things apart, and they're lashing out. And you have to ask yourself, wow, what happened? I was looking at a report where we're on mass shootings now, and it's ridiculous. And what's going on or would cause someone to do such horrible things, right? Because that's not our nature, but we do find it in nature. And you tell the story of your horse one time where it bit you or it was trying to. It was trying to. It was trying to. And you, I think <laughs> I you saw- I moved fast enough. <laughs> right. And the lesson though that came from was obviously you're doing something because it's a horse and that's what it did based right. on what was going on, but it lets it go. And the horse doesn't hold the grudge for long because they can't, they don't, they let it go. Yeah. And, but it really takes that- prefrontal cortex for us because we've got a little more reasoning ability than the animals do. Sometimes I wonder if we really do, but I would agree. Yeah. yeah I, 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 I'm kind of yeah. going, Hmm, there's an intelligence here that they obviously have, but they definitely show us how to be and how to behave. Right. So there's a couple of elements here. Number yeah. one, animals, let it go. Like a dog comes over and they'll nudge your arm. They want to play. And you're like, get away, get away. And then you're sharp. You're like, go sit down. And the dog doesn't go, well, they're in a bad mood. They just go and play with themselves, right? They're, oh, well, whatever. So an animal lets it go. But there's also a piece in there that if you actually look at it and say that the intent there, right? We're going to go back to that. Like, what are you attempting to do with this particular? And I think we make that mistake in a relationship You've been married, you have seven children, yeah. but suddenly our <laughs> spouse or somebody comes in and they're immediately like, they're mad at you. They're just go, well, why would you do that? And next thing you jump right back on and go, well, it was you who made this. And if you stopped and said, they just bit me. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you could stop for a minute, like whatever yep. they did and go, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. Right. And you would stop and say, what's going on with you? We don't do this often enough. No. But in reality, when somebody bites, something going it on usually doesn't have anything to do with no, you. No, there's something going on. It's going on with them, or if they're mad at you, or they're projecting. And you raise it at the beginning of the episode where you say to somebody, "Hey, how are you doing today?" "Oh, fine, it's good." Everybody, that's the programmed answer. And yet, if yes. you delve deeper and you go, well, "How are you really? How are you really doing?" "Oh man, I'm so glad you asked. My life's falling apart." Blah 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 blah. And sometimes we don't want to go there. I would say most leaders don't go there. Really. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I would question whether or not you as a leader want those details. Right. Because sometimes, and a lot of the leaders I was working with, we talked about the pandemic before we started recording, that everybody was checking in. Leaders were constantly checking in. And yeah. even now, with so many people working remotely, the leader will check in. Yeah. How are you feeling? Well, this is, I think, bad leadership for mm. two reasons. Number one, when you check in, what are you really saying? Checking I don't up. trust you. You're checking right? up. Yeah. I'm checking up and I'm interrupting. It's all about you as a leader. I have to know that you're working. I have to know that you're okay. Right. So stop checking in. The next thing that I think happens is that they want to know how they're feeling about things. And here's what I believe. Feelings are 
temporal. They're quickly changed. One moment it's raining and you're like, oh, it's raining. The next minute the sun comes out. Oh, it's wonderful. So asking somebody how they feel is not that smart. Or accurate. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, what did you get done today? What are you most proud of? Who do you think you serve the best? All of these put the person's mind to action, result, all of these things. Instead of like, how are you feeling? Are you getting enough support? That turns people into whiners. Instead of share with me the best thing that happened to you today while you were working remotely. Yeah, that's excellent. Great question. And I think it's having that that agenda or that focus prior to the conversation. And it's Agreed. planning that, planning that conversation, right? So what you're saying is if we have people working for us, instead of checking up, yeah, we do the niceties. Hey, how are you? I mean, we started it before recording. Hey, how's it going? What's going on? There's probably better questions like, hey, what's the best part of your day? Or yep. how's that going? You Be specific, right? Well, and also think about what you really want. One of the things that I ask my clients, the first thing after we settle ourselves to work, I say, give me a win. As the first thing I ask, give me a win. Mm -hmm. Now, it's so interesting that people are like, I'm going to do that. Okay, Sean is going to ask for a win. I got to have one ready. And my accountability call that I do Monday through Friday, Wednesdays are win Wednesdays. And here's what you could do around your table. Here's what you could do at a meeting. You could say to your top five people, tell me one win from each business win that you've had in the last week or last month since our last meeting. You're focused on what's going right. Most people don't. Surprising to me how many people have to really think about what is a win. Well, it's interesting because we come to these conclusions based on what's happened to us when people have asked us. That's why I'm saying the behavior that's modeled for yes. us from parents all the way, they're doing the best that they think what they're aware of. Yes. And I know you talk about this, but can every leader benefit from some leadership coaching? And the answer is yes, every single leader can benefit. And the ones that say, no, I'm really good. I got this down. I'm a good leader. I'm successful. They probably need it more than anybody else does. Probably. Yeah. I mean, I get coached and I yeah. have forever and I've invested. I remember when I was really beginning and I invested massive amounts. I couldn't even believe how much. And my husband at the time went, you're doing what? (laughs) And I went, I will earn it back triple. And of course I did. Right. Because here's the thing. The biggest thing is if you invest in you, no market can take it from you. Right. No pandemic could ever, you have given yourself this competitive advantage. You want to steal that from yourself? The money I invest in me, I will use for the rest of my life. It's the value add for my clients. So when somebody goes, no, I really, I don't know. I'm like, okay, get smaller. (laughs) And and it's interesting. Like you said, we can control your body, but I can't control your mind. That's right. And that's the one thing that you get to control. Now, going back to the mind and the programming, because we're all programmed from early age. If your parents were Republican or Democrat, you're a Republican or a Democrat in most cases. If you were Catholic or Protestant or Muslim, that's probably what you are. Your assumptions come from your belief systems and how you were trained. And everybody's going into it with the right intent, but then there might be new information. So our brains are constantly evolving. And you lay that out in your programs from the NLP point of view. So you got your neural pathways that we can work on. We've got the language. But then when it comes to the programming, what can we do as leaders to help facilitate the evolution of that programming? You ask great questions and I have an answer. Hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) The first step to anything, pretty much everything we've talked about is awareness. So if you're unaware of these habits you've got or these limiting beliefs, if you're unaware of the program you're in, that you jump to conclusions, if you're unaware then unless you have an outside force or unless you do the internal work, Benjamin Franklin had 13 virtues and he tested himself at the end of every 
day, did I live up to my ideal? Hmm. And that's a yes or no question. Or how close to the ideal did I get? So it's self-reflection and it really and truly is awareness. So one of the things that we do in my coaching is when somebody has a limiting belief or they say something that weakens them, it could be as simple as apologizing. I'm sorry. I had a gentleman I was coaching with that constantly is apologizing. I would just say, must've been Canadian. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) And I would say every time he'd say it, I'd go really. And it would startle him. I would interrupt the pattern, the program. Mm -hmm. So by program interrupt with a coach or with somebody, ask your children to do it for you. They will love it. Yeah, And they love to catch you. We all have blind spots, right? And I would agree. Yeah, we all have them. And another one that you talk about is absolutes. So give us some examples of absolutes and how you'll identify and interrupt those patterns. Well, <laughs> they're easy. Absolutes are always, never, all, every, like all men are, or people over 50 are, this is absolutes. And so when you hear like, I'm always on time. When a leader says that, everyone in the team is going, Yeah, right. I remember once you weren't liar, liar. liar or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. so to challenge that, especially it's fun as a coach, they'll go, Oh, yeah, I'm always on time. I'll go, Always? Every single time? And then they have to stop and go, Well, maybe I was late once or whatever. Or I never put somebody down. Right. Never, huh? You've never put someone down in your whole life. And that awareness, here we go back, because really and truly, that's a lie. Right. All men aren't one way. All dogs or all pit bulls or whatever you've come up with is just absolutes are really nearly generally, that's the opposite of absolutes, are untrue. Right. It's interesting, the words that we use and the questions, and you'll get to that bottom line really fast. I wanted, with our time remaining, I wanted to chat about this as a lot of our people are selling their own services that are listening to our programs or involved with things. And you're an early riser. As a matter of fact, you created a coaching program and I was really intrigued by this. I start working at 5 a.m. I'm usually up at 3.30, 4.30. I don't try to be. It just <laughs> brain wakes up and I'm ready to go. And some people are morning people, some people aren't. But you actually coach a lot of leaders and a lot of your leadership programs that I know you've been running for over a decade, like 15 years. Yes. People are still with you that you start your programs at 5.15 and it's just a 15-minute checkup call. Yes. In other words, when they coach with me, they can belong to this 5.15. And what's funny, Michael, is that I coach quite a few people that don't. They do not want to get up that early. But then later, if we've been working together for a while and they join it, they can't believe how much value. 15 minutes a day of just getting your mind kickstarted. They get up at five, you're on the call at 5.15, we're off. Mondays, they say what they will be accountable for. Fridays, I read it out. And if you know that I'm going to read it out on Friday, it's amazing how much you get done. You're going to do your homework, even if it's the night before. Yeah, it's very effective. I've been doing it for a long time before all of the books came out about morning routines. Right. I'd done the research and I tried it and it works very, very well. Yeah, I love that time. Nobody's there to interrupt you. And what you're talking about is the accountability and we're all accountable to our clients and we should be accountable to ourselves the same level as which we are to our clients. You know what? You are a great questioner and you've done such a good job. I can't tell you how happy I am that you had me on the show. And I hope that everyone got great value. Oh, me too. So if we were going to give one or two things just in closing remarks for those that are working on their own business or working within an organization, things that can start tomorrow, what would you tell them is the first step that they should be taking? And I think awareness and being aware. Step number one is awareness. And if you can catch yourself and have other people catch you, that will help you. Number two, really think about what you want, what the goal is or intent when you're speaking. And then a soft skill that would be so easy whenever you say something negative about yourself or you hear someone saying it, add the word yet behind it. 
That's br- I'm no that's good brilliant. at that. Yeah. I'm no good at that yet because you will shift your thinking. Oh, it makes sense. What about I am statements? I'm curious about that with you. I absolutely love I am statements because you make them all true. So if you say I am smart or I am strong or I am giving, but you can also say I am overwhelmed, I am tired, and you make all that true too. Awesome. Hey, Sean, we'll have all your contact information on the show notes and on the website. What's the best way people want to get hold of you? I know you offer clarifying calls, which I think is brilliant. Yeah, uh, yeah. What's the best way they can find you? All on the website, shaunashu.com. You can email me, Shauna at shaunashu.com. And the big thing is spelling my name. So that's got to be in your show notes. Yeah. So S-C-H-U-H yep, for the shoe. Name. Yeah. And Shauna. And again, love what you're doing. Love the work that you're doing. Love the metaphors that you use. Shauna, thank you for sharing time with us today. Thanks. You're great. This podcast is created and associated with Summit Media. My production team is Beth Smith and Kendra Vickers. The fee for the show is that you share it with friends when you find something useful or interesting.